0: Hey good morning everybody and uh, so we've moved into the season um, we just finished our series on all last week and we're moving into our new series this week called Realms of glory and so uh, we'll enjoy that as much uh, to start this morning it's so it's Christmas and one of the uh, one of the topics that kind of jumps out at Christmas time is the whole topic of heaven because heaven is involved with uh, the whole Christmas story. And um, it's one of the most fascinating topics in all of Scripture. It fig- as I mentioned, it figures prominently in the Christmas story. And it also f- uh, is a major topic in both the Old and New Testaments. So we're going to look at that this morning. So before we do, let's pray and seek the Lord, and then we'll go from there. Father, as we've come this morning to gather before you, ask for your favor in understanding. Uh, we're talking about something here that is really in your wheelhouse and we know about it, but we've not been there. And so we ask for your favor to validate some of these things that we know uh, you say from your word and we seek you this morning. We get a really good picture as we head into the Christmas season. Keep our eyes on you and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So this is the best picture Margaret could come up with for heaven, which I think is a good one. When you think of heaven, what do you think of? You know, the idea has captured um, the thoughts and imaginations of man all through the ages. Questions like, is it real? Uh, Where is it? Uh, What's it like? Where does the idea come from? Right, All those kind of questions that you wrestle with. And of course, if uh, you've had uh, a family member pass like uh, Pam and I have, and we know we're not the only ones that... A lot of us are at that stage of life where a loved one passes. Heaven becomes a really prominent topic, right? It suddenly is on your thoughts and on your heart quite a bit. So let's start with the basics, right? When you think of God, where do you think of Him being? Right? Think about that for a second. When you think of God, where do you think of Him being? And I would suggest that the most basic answer that comes to most of us is this one. Our Father who are in heaven, right? When we think of God, we think of heaven because that is the place where God resides. As a matter of fact, it says that following that, hallowed be thy name, right? Holy, honored uh, would be your name. Uh, When you uh, think of heaven, what makes heaven great is that God is there. It's not... The stuff of heaven, it's the person of heaven. It is the fact that the person is so amazing, you hardly know the stuff around it. And we don't often think of that, but uh, here's one of the ways to picture it. The things we think are most precious down here, right? Gold and silver, diamonds, precious stones, those are used for building materials in heaven. Okay? Just read Revelation 21 and watch the city, and it describes the splendor of the city, but the city's built out of stuff that we would use for rings or precious things. That's the building material. So it really is a, a most amazing place. Let's just take a stroll. If you'd go with me, we'll walk through the Scripture this morning and see the impression that's laid out for heaven. So if we start and we go back to the beginning in Genesis 1, what we find out is that God created the heavens and the earth. That uh, God is the creator of all that we see. He's the creator of heaven. He's the creator of earth. And not only that, but in Genesis fourteen twenty two, there's a different title given to this. It says that God is the possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, He's the owner. He, he resides there. He possesses those. Those are things that He owns. So he's the creator, he's the possessor. And then Jeremiah 23 tells us that God fills heaven and earth. So often when we say, well, where's God? The answer is he's not somewhere far away. The answer is he's right here. Right? He's where he's always been. He fills his creation. God is spirit and he's not limited to a body like we are. And so God is the creator of heaven and earth. God's the possessor of heaven and earth. And God is uh, God fills heaven and earth. First Kings tells us, this was at the dedication of the temple of Solomon, that it is the dwelling place of God. So just like this morning you got in your car, you were at an address. Right? It's got a address. It's probably on the outside of your house. You live on a certain street. If somebody says, where do you live? You give them that, that address. Right? And you, from that address you drove here this morning. Likewise with God, it's His home. It's his dwelling. It's where he chooses to live. It's his place. Okay. It's the ultimate man cave, right? Think of it that way. All right. I just threw that in there. Don't take that seriously. Okay. <laughs> just having fun. But something else about heaven that it tells us in uh, Psalm 11 and Revelation 4 uh, references. There's more. By the way, I'm just picking sample ones. There's more references. But uh, it tells us that it is the throne. God's throne is in heaven. Why this is important is because that means it's the seat of his governmental authority. It's not just a residence. It's the place where his leadership comes from. Uh, So, for example, in the United States, the White House is the symbol of uh, the governmental authority in the United States. So heaven... Is the seat of the governmental authority of God. And because of that, then Scripture tells us in a number of places, but Psalm 14, 2 is one of them, that God looks down from heaven. That God both sees and hears what we are doing. That God can discern the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Right? You ever have somebody say something to you and you say to yourself, I wonder why they're really saying that to me? Right? And uh, God doesn't have that problem. Okay, He can discern the thoughts and intentions of our heart, and that's one of the that's one of the more scary things about Scripture is that when it comes to uh, the end times, when it comes to the judgment, uh, when we have courts of law and we have juries, we hope the jury does the best possible. Uh, Job of assessing the evidence given and making a right verdict. God will not have that problem because He will have all the evidence in front of Him. Nothing will be hidden. And He will even know the thoughts and intentions of the hearts of us as people while we did that stuff. Now that should send a shiver through us. Right? Unless you've lived a perfect life, that should cause you to pause right there and go, "Uh uh-oh. Right? So it's an awesome place Not only does He look down from heaven, but Psalm 20 tells us that He speaks or answers from heaven. Uh, A number of places in the New Testament, people heard a voice from heaven talking, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And so God speaks and answers from heaven. And that's why Ecclesiastes gives us this little word of advice. It says, be not rash with your mouth. Rash means flapping lips, not thinking, right? Just open mouth and... Let it go. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth, and therefore let your words be few. What it's saying there is stop contemplate, Think about who you're actually talking to. And nine times out of ten, uh, it isn't so much what we're saying, it's the way we're saying what we're saying. The tone of it, right? You can say I love you in some really bad ways if you have the wrong tone. Now, on the other hand, if you're saying it with the right tone, you can say it really wrongly, like most guys do when they try to get engaged, and it still comes out right. Right? And so, that's Ecclesiastes is encouraging us, watch our words when it comes to heaven, because heaven knows, and heaven listens, and heaven gets it. So let's look at some things about heaven. So, heaven is... I pulled some of these things, and actually, Steve Doton, our elder, brought up one that uh, I think is going to be really a good one, too. But first of all, it's radiant with light. Radiant with light and color. Um, colors that we can't even explain, and light in, in ways that we don't have a capacity to even explain it. Matter of fact, when you get like with people, like when you read Isaiah, and when you read Ezekiel, and you read John. Really, they're trying to say words, and you you sense the human language just utterly fails, right? So the best they can do is say, "Well, it, it's like this." It's not that at all, but this is the best I can get it to. So it's like that, right? And and they they're trying to describe lights and colors and sounds that have no no common ground here on this level, and and they talk about how overwhelming it is, and and they talk about. Um, the brilliance of it. Uh, many of us uh, illustration this fall, we right had an incredible fall this year where the leaves were just uh, amazing. And one person told me that's because in summer, when we have a really hot, dry summer, the chlorophyll in the leaves thickens because it tries to stop evaporation so that when the leaves then do turn color, uh, they turn iridescent. And we had just uh, iridescent oranges and reds and yellows. And, and some of you watched when the sun came through the leaves, just like, whoa, right? Okay, it, it's talking about colors that um, heaven will be just filled with that kind of color and light. Also, heaven is filled with music, sound, language, and singing. It, it's a very wonderful place or all kinds of stuff. Now, heaven can be silent. But it also can be filled with sound and filled with light and filled with music. Understand music comes from the heart of God. Understand Satan tried to steal that. And understand God's going to replace it back with his stuff. And so we will have music like we have never known when we're in heaven. Also, Scripture tells us, uh, Revelation 21 is is a place here where uh, heaven is holy and pure. If you look in that verse in Revelation, it talks about the white robes, right? And the the setting in heaven and that it's um, the way I would say it, it's it's not contaminated. There's so many things that are contaminated like we often think of in this area, Hanford, right? In the nuclear contamination leaking out into the river, and, and we talk about that. But uh, there's all kinds of contamination, right? We worry about the insecticide that's put on our strawberries and that kind of stuff. and worry about the fish you eat and, uh, and the mercury and that. And, and, and our world's a world of contamination, right? We're, we almost don't expect anything to be pure. We expect things to kind of be contaminated. There's no stain. It's not stained. It's, it's, it's clean. And there's, there's no pollution. Uh, We live on a very polluted planet, right? We've done that to ourselves. There's no pollution. no, No stuff that's just foul and discolored and that kind of stuff. It's holy and it's pure. Scripture tells us that heaven is perfect. And I would suggest this, not just in its design, but also in its moral quality. Obviously, this is a reflection and result of the person who dwells there. But heaven is perfect in that sense. And um, one of the things that Steve Doughton brought up after the message in the first service said, yeah, and he said, the thing that struck me when you're going through that list, Steve, is that heaven's not contentious. You you know how many opinions there are today, right? And how everybody is going in all kinds of different directions and ideas collide and war. And, uh, you know, you can't keep anything together because everybody has an opinion about everything. In heaven, there won't be contention. Think about that once. There'll be peace. We don't even fathom what that's like. We don't, we don't know how to get through a day without some kind of contention. Right? So heaven will be perfect. Heaven will also be sinless. This also is very hard for us to imagine. Because there isn't anything down, there, down here that isn't touched by sin, stained by sin, or damaged by sin. Can you think of a day you've gotten through without running into your own sin or the sin of somebody else? Right? Most of the time it's irritating. Sometimes it's hurtful. Many times it's wounding. And in worst case scenarios, it's destructive. Right. It blows stuff up. And a lot of us have been in the debris field of sin. And our lives are shaped by it. It's colored by it. And we have experienced the fallout of that. But in heaven, it's sinless. There's no sin. There's no contention that way. And again, that's really hard for us to imagine. Here's a really good one, and I like this word. Heaven is resplendent. Okay? That's not often a word we use. Uh, usually this word is talked about during a wedding ceremony and the bride comes out in the gown, and we say she is resplendent with beauty, right? That's the context we, we use it in. But If you were in junior high, we'd say awesome. Okay? That's what resplendent means to a junior higher. Another way to say it is it's glorious. Like, wow, look at this. I mean, just take your breath away kind of stuff. It's resplendent. And again, what is so resplendent, when you watch the Scriptures They don't so much focus on the stuff of heaven, but they focus on the person of heaven. That the person of heaven is so resplendent, God Himself, that the stuff kind of fades in the background. It's just accoutrements to God Himself. The other thing about heaven that's really cool, it's incorruptible. Um, Most stuff down here is corrupted. Uh, We're familiar that judges can be corrupted. We're familiar that governments can be corrupted. We're familiar that law officials can be corrupted. We're familiar that pastors can be corrupted. We're familiar that we can be corrupted. Right? There's very few things that aren't corrupted on this level. But in heaven, things don't rust. Things don't corrode. They don't fade. Right? You ever had to repaint your house because the sun faded and you had to repaint it? They don't wear out, doesn't fall apart like some of us, doesn't deteriorate. In other words, it's incorruptible. It can't be wrecked. It can't be um, deteriorated it's not going to fall apart. And then the last thing is that it's eternal. And that's why scripture says to us, put all your eggs in that basket. Put everything in that basket because this is short term. This doesn't last very long. That lasts forever. Put your eggs in the Jesus basket. And I think that was illustrated again this week. Um, If you've read about the wildfires in California, frightening in terms of what was going on, 75 mile an hour, Chinook winds coming off, fueling the flames to 200 feet in the air. And if you saw any of the videos, I mean, it was just astonishing where the flames were leaping whole canyons faster than people could get out of them. And you realize those people, I read the story of one couple, they couldn't get in their car, so they jumped on their bikes, right? And... Peddled out of the canyon on their bikes. And as they looked around, they saw the flames come through and they saw their entire house and buildings and neighbors gone. Just like that. The heat was so intense. They looked back and there was nothing but ashes. Like that. And that is just a great illustration how the stuff here right now can be gone like that. Right? It doesn't take a lot. And that's why Scripture says, put your eggs in the Jesus basket. Well, what is the Jesus basket? Well, the Jesus basket says that heaven is our inheritance. And so we are to put our treasure there. Mark 10 uh, says that treasure can be stored in heaven. In other words, as we do things for the Lord and as we put uh, things in His account, those that account is kept in heaven for you. It's kept in heaven for me. And that that can be stored there and we don't have to worry because it's not like our homes where stuff can be stolen from it. It can't be taken or robbed or burnt up. It's, it, our treasure can stay there. Also, Luke tells us that there are rewards in heaven. We know there are a number of different kinds of crowns that God will give out. We know that God will reward those who have been faithful to what he's asked them to do. We know God rewards those who are obedient to him. We know that God rewards those who listen to his heart who love Him, who are awaiting His coming. And so there are all kinds of different rewards. And we don't go to heaven just because we'll get a reward. But it says if you're going to have rewards, make sure where you put them so they're in safekeeping. And Scripture says heaven is a wonderful place of safekeeping. Matter of fact, Matthew tells us we're, we're told to sell everything we have to obtain it. Remember the guy who found a treasure in the field? Jesus tells this parable. And it says... He went and sold everything he had to buy that field. Why? Well, because that field belonged to somebody else. He found that treasure in the field. If he took it, somebody would say to him, where did you find that treasure? Oh, in, in such and such a field. And the person would go, hey, wait a minute. That's my field. You stole the treasure out of my field. Give me back the treasure. So what did he have to do? Before he could claim the treasure, he had to go and negotiate a fair price, buy the field, Once he bought the field, he was owner of everything in the field. Then he could go dig the treasure up. And it says it was worth selling everything he had to get that field. Another parable Jesus uses is a pearl of great price. He said a merchant found a pearl. This is the most exquisite pearl he had ever seen in his life. And he had dealt for a long time, so he knew what he was looking at. And he said he had to have it, and so he sold everything he had to go get that pearl. Well, Jesus is the treasure, and Jesus is the pearl of great price. And Scripture says... Give everything you've got to obtain that, okay? And so that treasure is important that we obtain it. And then 1 Corinthians 3 and Ephesians 1 tell us that our inheritance is in heaven. You have an inheritance. Now, we're familiar with that with our moms and dads and uh, if if you have parents that are passing, you realize you got to go through probate and somebody's uh, the ter- power of attorney, and then somebody's power of estate, and you got to go through all those terms. But it says in heaven, there's an inheritance there for us, and that God is the estate planner, okay, and He has that kept in heaven. For us. So if we love Jesus and we put all our eggs in that basket of salvation through Jesus, not by merit, not by works, but by faith in what Jesus has done for us, that He is the Messiah, this baby that's coming that we're celebrating, then we have that. Okay, now that's a lot of information. All right? And now it's audience participation time right you have you have a part in the service this morning, so that you can 't walk out of the service and remember that stuff you you 'll get to the doors and somebody will say, "What was the message about? Um, it was a list of stuff i can 't quite remember, but it was really good, Steve I don't remember what you said, but it was awesome, okay, so I wanted to try and give you a little mnemonic device that might be able to help you remember the stuff we 've covered and get your thoughts thinking on that so Uh, you're going to have this little tool. So this is a little chorus. And we have a guy's part and we have a girl's part. All right? And so we'll start with the guys. So it's a little uh, chorus and it goes like this. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. All right, so guys... (laughs) We need your man voice, all right? This is not falsetto, John. Cut it out. Done. This is Johnny Cash down there, baritone, low register, okay? Be a guy, all right? And we're going we're gonna to get the guy's part down first, all right? So guys, are you ready? Here we go. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Awesome. Good. Ladies, give them a hand. Okay? Good job, guys. All right, ladies, here's your part. Now, I need your help on this. It's the same words, little different harmony, all right? And I can't sing it as high as you. So we got a problem, so I need your help. But, But your part goes like this. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Ready? So ladies, here we go. Heaven is a wonderful place. Get up there high. Filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. All right, got that? Okay, very good. Guys, give the ladies a hand. Okay, here we go. We're going to do it together. Ladies, we're going to start with you. And then when we do it, guys, we're going to kick in. I'll tell you when to kick in. We'll go through it once and we'll go through it twice because you'll have it by then and you'll remember this. All right, so ladies, we're going to start. Ready? Here we go. Heaven is a wonderful place Filled with glory and grace I want to see my Savior's face Heaven is a wonderful place Go, ladies! Heaven is a wonderful place Filled with glory and grace I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful... One more time through. Heaven. Sing it, church. There you go. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Boom. Thank you. That's awesome. I hope you sing that. I've been whistling that through our house, driving my kids nuts all week. Oh, Jesus, help me hit the right key. But that's a great little chorus that captures everything we've been talking about and will bring to mind the things that uh, God has pointed out. Now, there's a couple other things about heaven I want to walk through before we talk about an important point. There are phenomena from heaven. One of the big phenomena that shows up in the Christmas stories are angels, right? And uh, we know some of them. We know them by name. Gabriel is a prominent one. We know he's a leading angel. We also know about the archangel Michael. Uh, most of them we don't have names to, uh, but we know that they are ministering angels and they help us, even though we don't most of the time are aware of it and don't know how. They are m- ministering spirits to the saints, right? And so angels are phenomena from heaven. Uh, another one is, oops, there we go, rushing wind. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the breath of God, the ruach, the numa. Uh, in the new testament and jesus said hey you can see where the wind comes from and where it goes but you can't uh you can see the effects of it but you can't tell where it comes. sorry i said that wrong you can't tell where it comes from you can't tell where it's going but you can see the effect of it right and it's the idea of the breath of god blowing through his people and you can see uh the rushing wind for example in the story of pentecost when they were praying and the the spirit of god came upon the disciples in the form of tongues of fire, and they heard like what was the sound of a rushing wind going through the place. right? And we want the breath of God to blow through this church. We want God's breath among us, God's life and His Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to blow through Mill Creek and awaken people to their need for Jesus. And uh, that's one of the phenomenons that uh, Scripture talks about often. Another one we've already mentioned, but is bright light. Think about how much light is incorporated into the Christmas story. Uh, One of the biggest um, images is the star, right? There was a light to follow, and it was a a sign from God. Also, it's not all positive. Uh, Plagues and famine are phenomena that comes from heaven. Uh, Because of the disobedience of man and because of uh, sin in the world, Scripture records that not all plagues, but some very specific ones, come from heaven as a result of um, mankind's lack of response or wrong response, would be a better way to put it, to God. And then Romans 1 tells us that wrath, that the wrath of God is against all men who suppress the truth of God in their unrighteousness. And they do this by not giving glory and not um, giving thanks. And we pointed that out last week, just those two things. Not giving proper honor and not being grateful. Our uh, lack of gratefulness grates on God's heart just like it grates on our heart. Okay, uh, There's probably a few things that are as irritating uh, to us as a group of people as a lack of gratefulness. right? Or if somebody dishonors you. We bark back pretty quick. And uh, it says that God's wrath comes. But... There's a really good thing that comes from heaven, a phenomenon. It's called salvation. This is what God works in the affairs of men and all of us are here because of that. That God goes out through the world seeking those who are His and He (coughs) draws them to Himself and He points out who Jesus is and He sent Jesus uh, to be the ambassador for His kingdom. And those who respond to the ambassador... um, (coughs) through faith, are saved. And it's an, one of the most amazing things that salvation would come from heaven. Think about that. We often, if you've watched any of the superhero movies, right, like the, they're all out now and, and they have been out in the Justice League and all that stuff, and it's we will create our own salvation. We'll save ourselves. We're not going to save ourselves. We need a Savior. We need somebody who can pay the price for our sins. And Scripture says God <coughs> has done that. And the phenomenon of and here's where I think he's an absolute genius. A baby. Is that who you would have picked to be your rescuer? A baby? No, usually we think of rescuing babies, right? It's not the other way around. But I think God is brilliant because there's nothing more adorable and more attractive than a baby. Uh, when Pam's mom was struggling, she was really having a tough time, and when people get to that stage, right, they, they, they have a hard time just seeing what's going on in the room or anything or responding. And my nephew Ryan and and, um, and his wife Macy uh, came up with their brand new baby son Aaron. And you should have saw the change in that room when they walked in that room with that baby. She sprung up on that bed and she started smiling and cooing and talking and that baby rejuvenated her like And God knew we needed something like that. And so he came in a form we could identify with. He came in a form that was attractive to us. He came in a form that wooed our hearts toward him. He came in the form of a baby. He knew how to get past all the defenses. Now, he didn't stay a baby. But he came in the form of a baby. To woo us to our destiny because heaven is also our destiny. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in trust in him as Lord and Savior, You've bent the knee. You've settled the authority issue. You've said, you are my Lord. Then our destiny is in heaven. What that means is, uh, Philippians tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. So like, for example, right now we're citizens of the United States of America. Somebody said, where are you from? Or where's your citizenship? You'd say, well, I'm an American, right? Uh, Many of us have gone to different parts of the world or traveled to different parts or actually been citizens from different countries understand and recognize uh, how important citizenship is. And what Scripture is telling us, this is the most important citizenship that a person can have, is to be a citizen of heaven, because your eternal destiny rests there. Colossians also tells us that our hope is in heaven. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, everything doesn't go the way you want it to down here. Just thought I'd let you know. You look surprised. Um, no, right? Hasn't, doesn't. There's a lot of things that are undone, that are messy. There's string and threads hanging all over the place. There's debris fields. There's stuff not tidied up. Because our hope is in heaven. God is going to restore all things. God will wipe away the tears from every eye. And one of the things that makes that hope present right now is the fact that in heaven... Oops. In heaven, Jesus intercedes for us from heaven. Scripture says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding. Sometimes uh, we go through really tough stuff. Matter of fact, the holidays can be horrible, right? Uh, If you've been through a divorce, if you've been through uh, a a death, if you've been through a tragedy or something like that, you're going through the holidays and you're like, it's a total catch-22 problem. Because you want to celebrate, but you're crushed in your heart. But you don't want to be a bummer for everybody else, right? And go moping around like wrecking their holidays. So people ask you, how are you doing? What do you say? Fine. What are you going to say? Right? But the truth is, the holidays are terrible. Like, could we just get through them? I don't want to be here. I don't like this. Yuck. Right? And so it's it's a really tough, tough deal what you need to know if you're in that tough place, Jesus is interceding for you right now. That means He's praying for you. That means He's talking to the Father about you. It means He knows you. Yes, you. You and me. And a lot of others. He knows. And He's interceding. That gives tremendous hope. And not only does He intercede, but He mediates from heaven. And mediation means when there's two... Uh, opposing parties that cannot agree on a solution, you bring in a mediator. And the mediator comes in and resolves the dispute. This is where I think the idea that there's going to be no contention in heaven is a a marvelous thing. Jesus won't need to mediate in heaven because it'll work the way it's supposed to. But down here, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So he mediates for us. And right now, if you're looking at your situation and you're saying, yeah, it doesn't look like much is happening. He could mediate a little harder. Um, Most of the time, that's because in the present moment, stuff looks like mud. But if you look five years ago and look back at things, you can see his fingerprints all over it, right? And what that means is this. His fingerprints are over it right now as much as what you can see in the past. It's just you're stuck in the present and you can't see how he's mediating. But he's going to work all things for good in spite of the mud in your life right now. And if you're here this morning and you're just sucking wind and trying to figure out how you're going to make it through one more holiday, let me give this good word for you. Jesus is with you. You're not alone. He mediates, and He's interceding for you. And then here is the last part. Uh, Heaven is also the launching pad for Jesus' return. Uh, Pam's brother, Rich, is totally into uh, Nassau and the Apollo thing, and, and so he actually went down to Cape Canaveral and watched... One of the rockets launch, And uh, many of us have been to Florida and seen Cape Canaveral. And you go, yeah, that's that's it. That's where it happened. That's where they took off to go to the moon, right? And there's kind of a buzz about that. Well, heaven is a launching pad also. It's a launching pad for Jesus' return. And so Second Thessalonians tells us that Jesus will be revealed from heaven. Back in the day when this was written... They had no clue how that was possible. Now, us in the 21st century, realizing with iPhones and computers and, uh, you know, jumbotrons and all, we kind of get a picture of how that could happen, how something could be revealed. Some of you uh, have Christmas parties going for your company, right? And uh, usually in a company Christmas party, the boss, there's a moment in the party where everything stops and the boss gives the big reveal. And everybody goes, what's the big reveal this year? What's going to, okay? It says Jesus is going to be revealed. The big reveal from heaven is going to be Jesus. The second thing is that not only will he be revealed, but he'll descend, that he will come from heaven and everybody will be able to see his approach. As a matter of fact, Matthew 24 says that the whole world will see his return. That Jesus said just like lightning flashes from the east and goes into the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. That it will be a world response. Revelation then says this. This is one of the most frightening verses in the Bible. It says, He will tread, this Jesus, will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That is one of the most frightening verses in the Bible. Because when Jesus comes back, He's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming back as the commander of God's armies. He's coming back as the judge. And as I mentioned before, all of our stuff is known and laid out to Him. That's why it makes total sense to go to Him and ask for mercy. If you understand that kind of judgment, if you understand there's absolutely nothing you can, many of us are pretty good at conning, right? We're pretty good at manipulating. We're pretty good at working it the way we want to go. That won't work. All those human skills that we've used through our life to get by won't work in heaven. And it says that God, for those who are opposed to Him, He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That's why Scripture says today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Give your life to the Lord. How do you do that? You simply say, Jesus, I recognize I'm on the wrong side of that line. And the only way for me to get on the right side of the line into your kingdom is to ask you into my heart and ask you to forgive my sins. I also recognize I have an authority issue. That if I'm going to place my faith in you, there can't be two gods. There can't be me God and you God. I make a great me, I make a lousy Jesus. I need to submit to your authority. By faith, I want to do that. I want to let you be the king. If you need to cross that line, I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to encourage you to come and talk to one of us. Talk to a friend. Talk to an elder. Let us know. And we'll work with you and we'll help you. And then, lastly, it says that heaven's going to be something pretty spectacular because we often think of going to heaven. Right? And it says those who who die before the Lord comes back, are in the rest of God. And the thief on the cross uh, asked Jesus to forgive him, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So there's that aspect of it. But God's going to redo the whole thing. It says the whole thing's going to go away like a scroll rolled up, and God is going to recreate the heavens and the earth. And a matter of fact, uh, this will be heaven. God's going to redo the whole thing. If you read Revelation 21, a city, an amazing city comes down here and this becomes the place. And that temple, which is enormously huge, doesn't need lights. Why? Because God's the light of that city. And that city's going to be on this planet. This planet. We're going to talk about the realm of this planet next week. and uh, Talking about realms of glory. And we're going to talk about our, our planet Earth here. But for now, the idea of Jesus is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Why is all that important? Well, here's why that's important. Jesus is the ambassador from heaven. Let's read, this is John chapter 12. I spent about 45 minutes on these verses this week, just meditating on it. It says, Jesus is in the temple. They're finding fault with him. They're critical of him. They're dissing him. And uh, in the middle of the temple, he stands up and he says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. So Jesus made a very real distinction that He was sent in carrying out orders. He said, My will is to do the Father's will and to show the world that I love the Father by doing what He's asked me to do. He said, So whoever believes in Me believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And whoever sees Me sees Him who sent Me. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He was using this illustration here. I've come into the world as light. Right? Think about how light is built into the Christmas season. Light's built into the Easter season. Even people who aren't believers put lights on their houses. Right. It's a season of light. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. How can the word that is spoken judge us? Well, if you continue in that passage, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. In other words, Jesus was saying this, If you want to know God, You've got to come through me. If you love God, then you'll love me. If you love if you don't love me, then you don't love God. It's that simple. Because I and the Father are one. I have carried out his commandment. Because he told me what to do and what to say. What's he saying there? Really critical. (coughs) Really critical equation. He is an ambassador from heaven. Matter of fact, he's the ambassador from heaven. Uh, We have ambassadors more familiar with that concept as a country where the United States of America, we send ambassadors to different countries. And uh, how other countries respond to our ambassadors is critical in terms of how we will have political relationships with them. If they are treated right, if they're held in honor, uh, if they're welcomed warmly, um, we have good relations with that country. On the other hand, if we're rude to the ambassador, if we treat them poorly, if we don't listen to what they're saying and that kind of stuff, then the tendency is we usually will have very bad relationship with that country. Right? What Scripture is saying is this works on the heaven level as well. There was an ambassador who came. His name is Jesus. He came as the baby. He'll come back as the king. And he came as an ambassador to tell us about heaven and to tell us about His Father and to tell us about eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about. The ambassador has come. As I said, brilliant. Came as a baby, right? Very attractive. But Jesus said this, God gave me what to say and what to speak and I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And what does the Father say about the Son, Jesus? Listen to Him. This is my Son, whom I love. And so as we come into Christmas, let's remember that heaven's a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. And we all want to see our Savior's face because heaven's a wonderful place. I want to go there. Do you want to go there? I want to go there. Let's pray. Father, it's a great way to kick off the Christmas season. And as we think about this topic of heaven, we recognize it's so much bigger than anything we can put into words. And the truth is, uh, as a pastor, you feel kind of dumb because there's so much that I don't know and so much that is not experiential that is real and vivid and alive to you right now at this moment. And the truth is, we need your help. So we go through this Christmas season, Lord. We're looking for you. We're looking for what you're doing. We're looking for ways to identify with, would you help us with that as your children, as your sons and daughters? And may I help in our hearts know that it's true. Uh, we just did the funeral yesterday, Lord, with Bill. And you know, uh, Jan was talking about when he went through his life crisis and uh, he had that subarachnoid hemorrhage and he was on the verge of life and death for, for a couple days. And he said he could see the door. He was talking about how Bill has now gone through that door. But Jan admonished the crowd to say, it's true, it's real, I've seen it. Lord, may what he's seen by sight, may we believe by faith and trust you deeply. We ask this in your name. Amen.